e-commerce marketing podcast listener. Are you looking to increase traffic and sales to your website? You can do this by launching your own referral program. Just visit getosi.com and sign up for a free trial today. That's getosi.com. Now get ready to hear from your e-commerce marketing expert of the week as they drill down to give you details on marketing strategies that can help grow your business. Welcome back to the e-commerce marketing podcast, everyone. I am your host, Arlen Robinson, and today we have a very special guest, Tracy Reuter, who is the founder and CEO of Divine Social. She's passionate about supporting businesses and growing their brands through authentic, meaningful social media advertising. Tracy has an uncanny gift for looking at any business's mission, vision, message, and mapping out the right strategy to get their brand in front of the right people at the right time. With 25 years of experience in sales and marketing, Tracy knows her stuff when it comes to high-level marketing strategy. Combined with her tactical knowledge of social advertising, Tracy can write the recipe for any brand's success. And she's here today to share some of the greatest secrets behind mapping out your own powerful social advertising strategy. Welcome to the podcast, Tracy. Thanks for having me, Arlen. Happy to be here. Yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you today about our topic for today, which is using sales psychology and the customer journey to drive up your Facebook and Instagram ads return, which is really a hot topic today because, of course, Instagram is on fire, Facebook is on fire, and every every business and brand out there is really trying to take advantage of tapping into the right customers through those networks. So yeah. I'm, I'm really excited about what you can bring to the table with regards to that. And before we get into all of that, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and specifically how you got into what you're doing today? Oh, gosh. Well, so I'll try to give you the Reader's Digest version. So I studied marketing in college, got a degree and and went straight into a corporate job. I I grew up in a little bit of a rich dad, poor dad situation. I had a single mom that raised me working in a factory telling me to get a good job with benefits and had this entrepreneurial uncle immigrant who went from, you know, a couple of bucks in his pocket to one of the biggest commercial developers in Cape Cod up in New England. And so I knew I wanted to follow business and ended up getting a great job um, in sales at AT&T, small little company that I worked for for over a decade and uh, ended up by the time I left them, ended up running their B2B division in the Midwest for their cell phones. So I was part of that early days. I don't want to age myself, but I, I have been around for a while. So, you know, we had just an incredible experience being in major boardrooms. Our clients were everything from Motorola, United Airlines to, you know, Joe's Plumbing. And so I had this tremendous experience. And what led me to this was really a personal crisis. I wasn't necessarily a risk taker like my uncle was, but my husband got really, really sick. He was diagnosed with Parkinson's when he was 34. And I quickly found myself in a situation where I could not be gone all the time. I couldn't, I had to focus on my family. And so that's when I started learning digital marketing and entrepreneurship and took a long circuitous journey to get here, but ended up starting a podcast about five years ago, the social media marketing happy hour, teaching all things marketing. And I just got a complete love for social advertising. I loved putting a dollar in and getting a dollar out and putting a dollar in and getting three or four out. And I just became addicted to being able to show a return. I think that was my corporate background, you know, really wanting to be able to show the return. And one thing led to another and listeners started reaching out to me and asking if I would run their ads because I talked about it so much. And 
that's really how my agency was born five years ago. (laughs) And it's been really fun. And part of the reason we're going to talk about sales psychology today is because of my background in sales at AT AT&T. I I not only was a a sales rep for a while, I, I led a sales team and then led an entire sales division. So our agency takes a kind of a slightly different approach because of my background, blending sales with marketing. And it's been really successful for us. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks for that. I appreciate the uh, breakdown on your background. And it looks like you've definitely got a really diverse history, diverse experience, like you said, working for AT&T, then transitioning to starting your own company, which I can testify to the fact that it's it always takes a leap of faith for sure when you're branching out on your own. And it looks like that was really just the route that you had to go to, you know, to help take care of your family more and to be there. And uh, yeah, it's not an easy thing to do, especially if you've been in the corporate world for a little while. And, you know, you had a steady check coming in. You had the benefits, <laughs> and, you know, terrifying. we could do a whole show on, on all of that, like terrifying and bankruptcy. And just, oh, my gosh, terrifying. But it's good. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. I'm glad everything yeah. is great now. But, yeah, you're right. I could talk for probably for days and, and yeah. I'm sure we could swap stories on our journey, you know, running our, our businesses, but uh, it's been exciting. And I know you've had some interesting experiences as well, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Wanted to really dig deep and dive into today is really, you know, like we talked about in the intro, sales psychology, because it's really important when you're trying to uncover and find the right customers for your brand. And that's, I think that's the key thing is the right customers, because, you know, anybody can find customers, but the key is finding the right customers that are going to be loyal to your brand. And, you know, you're going to maybe even able, be able to get repeat business. So really, what are the, in your opinion, what are the basic elements of sales psychology? And is this standard really for all types of customers that you're trying to find? So it is pretty standard, right? It doesn't matter whether it's, you know, your B2B or B2C, you know, you're doing e-commerce or, you know, you're doing high ticket sales. This kind of, this philosophy is business agnostic. It really works across everything, right? And so if you look at When we look at sales psychology, everything starts with the customer journey and really understanding the steps along the way. And one of the things that we do, we talk a lot about with our clients is our approach to everything is taking a blended approach to direct response style advertising, which is results based, right? So performance based, getting leads and sales and webinar registrations or all those different things and blending that with branding, blending those two things together. It's super, super important. So that's kind of like the overarching philosophy of how we approach everything. And the reason we do that is if you look at the customer journey and there's, you know, you can Google it, Google customer journey. There's so many different versions of it, but essentially that from a basic level, it starts with awareness and it goes all the way up to brand advocacy, right? So people who don't know about you, moving them all the way up to people who are wild, loyal, raving fans and every step in between. And there are different things that happen at each step to get people one step closer to becoming that brand loyalist. And so often the mistake I see happen, it's changing. You know, I've been talking about this for a while now, Arlen, but it's starting to change. But the mistake I would see people make with social advertising is they would go straight to that purchase stage. So if you look at them, the different steps in that journey, right, you've got awareness to interest, from interest to consideration, consideration to the pre-purchase phase, which is where I'm like, do I want this? You know, I'm thinking about this to buying, right? Purchase phase. And then I always share with my team it is 
just because you make a sale doesn't mean that the selling process is over because there is that retention piece, right? Buyer's remorse. Do they, are they going to refund? What is it? And then finally is that brand loyalist. And so it's really important to be thinking about all of those steps when you're mapping out a social advertising strategy, because what's different with social versus like, for example, Google with PPC, that's intent-based. That's usually somebody that's already at the consideration pre-purchase or even purchase level. If that, does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And yeah, I understand where you're coming from with that, because looking at it from the perspective of the average business, let's say average e-commerce business. And like you said, a lot of businesses that approach social advertising are, are headed straight for that final phase, the purchase phase and trying to, to hook people immediately. But within social networks, it doesn't really work that way. You really have got to, you got to take them through that journey. You've got to let them understand who your brand is, what your brand is about, get them information for them. And then you really have to gain their trust, so to speak. Because just like ads these days, regular types of traditional advertising, a lot of times people are people are kind of exhausted from traditional types of advertising. <laughs> you know, they, yeah, that's an understatement. Yeah. yeah. So it's like we're naturally accustomed to just tuning things out. And so if you hit right for that purchase phase, then, yeah, people are going to naturally just say, you know, what is this? They're going to ignore it and keep scrolling or just move on. So it really makes sense. And I think what it is, is with a lot of the brands out here that are approaching social advertising, they're smaller companies, smaller businesses. They may not have a dedicated marketing person and they're trying to get quick wins. You know, they're trying to do everything they can to get as many customers as possible. And so they're like, okay, they they keep hearing all these things about, you know, Facebook, Instagram, I got to be on there. I got to be on there. I got to get customers. They're just trying to hit it, but they're hitting it the wrong way. And like you said, it's, it, it really, makes perfect sense that you've got to create that journey. Otherwise, you're just going to be spending way you know, more than you should be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely. <laughs> doing a lot more spending yeah. than you should, for sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah, it's interesting. The philosophy that we've built kind of to to mirror that journey is I call it the three pillars to successful social ads. And it's really three buckets if you think of it, right? So everyone's familiar with conversions and especially with e-com, right? And as you and I are recording this, like we're coming into like the the holy grail of e-commerce advertising. And so everyone's going straight for the kill, straight to the purchase. They want to get, you know, they want to get as many sales as they possibly can. And I get that, like we're in business to make a profit, but you want to make sure, I always tell clients that this, you know, as we come into the holidays and Black Friday, Cyber Monday, I don't don't know when, you know, this will show will be live, but, you know, it's the advertisers that are short-sighted and only coming in during the season that are really, they're actually losing. Now they might think they're winning because they make so much money during the season, but if they had a 365 day approach to this whole process, they would blow out any Q4 expectations that they set for their company. And so what we recommend and what I recommend in all of this is going after these three pillars, we call them pillars, they're basically like buckets. One is obviously conversions, we're all familiar with that. But the other two are audience building and engagement. And audience building is just what it sounds like. It's Everyone's obsessed with growing their email list, which is super, super important. But in 2020 and beyond, you really want to be thinking about how can you grow your lukewarm traffic? So not cold and not warm, but lukewarm, meaning they've watched a video, they've clicked maybe over to your store, they've engaged with an ad in some way, shape or form. That lukewarm traffic is part of what we consider audience building. And the companies that really focus on building that out, like really, really investing heavily are the ones that are going to win. And 
So that's audience building. And then engagement is essentially providing great value to those people before you ask them to do anything. And it's, you know, we joke around all the time about the whole analogy of like, you know, you don't go up to a person at a bar and say, hey, nice to meet you. Let's get married. Right. But we do that in our ads all the time. Right. (laughs) Right. And there's a great example. It just actually, it just came out. I think it was in the last couple of days, Adidas, right? Adidas came out and they publicly said, and there's this article, it was in marketing week. And they talked about how they made a huge mistake by focusing on performance. So conversions, they took their budget and they split it. 23% was on branding and 77% was on performance. And what they have realized, because they were focused just like even small brands, right? They were hardcore pushing conversions, but really the majority, 60% of their revenue was coming from first time buyers. So a big number. And that means the branding piece is incredibly important. If you are not purposefully bringing people, meeting people with where they are, meeting them in the interesting consideration phase, if you're not bringing them into that level two traffic, the conversions aren't going to come out on the other end. And so Adidas came out and said, we were wrong. We, instead of 2377, we should have shifted our budget to 60% branding and 40% conversions. And that, I mean, I read that and I was like, finally somebody gets what I've been trying to explain for so long and this is how it should yeah definitely and the data is right there to prove it and that's really interesting and that kind of brings up my next question which is really looking at the Adidas I guess you could say case study if you will of how they got when they looked at their numbers where they got all of those you know 60 percent were the first time customer what is it in the customer's psychology and with respect to understanding a typical customer's journey, I guess looking at them specifically and all of those first time customers, what is it in the psychology of that brand that got them to just pull the trigger? Yeah. So often go back to an oldie but a goodie classic book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. It's a great book. And in it, he talks about beginning with the end in mind. And so when we are mapping out and we're thinking customer psychology, we're thinking the different steps in the journey, we obviously want to start with what's the ultimate goal, right? So it's, of course, a purchase. We want them to buy, we want them to repurchase and all those things. But the one thing that you want to do is once you kind of identify what that ultimate goal is, is start working backwards and asking yourself, what kind of information would somebody need to be able to get to this step? So in order to purchase, what would they need? Would they need color selection? Would they need different models? Like what, what is it? Well, prior to that, what do they need, right? Where are they in the process? Maybe in Adidas's example, maybe the psychology of where that person is, is maybe they're a, a Nike loyalist <laughs> and how are you going to hit them emotionally with maybe a brand, some kind of branding video about maybe Adidas has some new technology that they didn't know existed that could make their running better. There's so many different angles to come at it, but it's really backing up from where I am as a person when I'm buying versus where I was when I first got exposed to the brand, right? So thinking through those kinds of things, and and it's going to be different for every single brand that's out there. And this is something, this is something that you really need to make sure that before you execute the strategy that you've sat down and you've actually, I don't know, thought about it, you know, it's really, really important because people, there are, if we use dating as an analogy, Arlen, I think about like the first time I met my husband, right? He, it's a funny story. He picked me up at a airport. I I was dating his friend. I had never met him and he picked me up at the airport and I looked at him and I was like, wow, this guy is really good looking, but I'm dating his friend. Right. So psychologically I wasn't open to being attracted to this man. 
you know what I mean? And then, then the next step was, well, I got to know him a little bit more and this other guy wasn't for me. And I started moving closer towards, Hey, like, I think this is a good choice for me. And this thing over here was a bad choice. And the, the psychology that got me from meeting him for the first time to like, I want to marry this guy was I was getting evident. I was falling in love with his quote unquote brand. I was being exposed a little bit by little bit to what he was all about. And it's the same thing, right? It's, you can apply the same principles to our brands, to our e-commerce stores, to whatever the case might be. So some of that is through storytelling. It's talking about the origin story of the brand. It could be your unique selling proposition. I mean, there's so many different ways to do it, but it's really, again, starting with the end in mind and then working your way backwards. Yeah, that's awesome. And that, I love that analogy of the story of, you know, of you meeting your husband. That's really interesting. And like you said, you can apply that same type of thing to seeing a brand for the first time. You're not necessarily being open to it because so let's say we look back at Adidas. Personally, I'm a Nike guy. I, I usually wear Nike. I don't think I've ever had Adidas shoes. And so I'm kind of loyal to the Nike brand, Nike brand. So me seeing, let's say, the latest Adidas shoe, even though it may be the best shoe ever. It could be the best shoe that I've ever seen. I'm yeah. not going to be open to even trying it because, you know, I'm not psychologically. I'm with Nike. I'm always, you know, wore Nike. So, yeah, I can definitely see how that can relate to the overall brand exposing themselves to the particular customer base. So it's, uh, yeah, really, really interesting. Now, one of the things I wanted to really kind of dig into is with respect to the customer psychology and really understanding your customer's journey, how can this specifically be used to drive up sales on platforms like Instagram and Facebook? Yeah, so this is really, this becomes our zone of genius, right? And essentially, the way we use this is we are building advertising funnels around this journey and using these different levels of awareness, if you will, right? Like where people are in the process. So when we are engaging with a new client, typically the first thing we're going to do is we're going to go straight for conversions because let's face it, like we've got to make sure revenue is coming in. Like revenue has to come in. The worst thing that can happen as a business owner running social ads is you're not cash flow positive because then you can't keep the machine going. And so typically, you know, you start out with that and you start out with some low hanging fruit, but then we start backing up like, okay, how can we start building these level two audiences? How can we take this cold traffic over here and what kind of content can we put in front of them? Is it education? Is it demonstration? Right now we've got a client that does natural hair products as an e-commerce brand. And so one of the things we've been finding incredibly effective for them is they do a lot of education. They teach people like how to care for their hair and what do you do on wash day and the different chemicals and what can happen. And so we've been testing at the, what we would call top of funnel. We've been testing these videos that are very informational, very educational to cold audiences okay. because in one of the the ways these videos are designed is they're not just educational and informative, but oh, by the way, in order to achieve this, this is the product that you use. And so we start really magnifying that message and putting that value into the marketplace, really serving future customers at the top of the funnel. And then we then retarget those people into specific offers based on the videos that they watched. And then we keep driving them further and further down the funnel. Okay. It's incredibly effective. Okay. And I've got so many case studies that show it's usually on average, I see about a third of the cost per conversion on war, like that level two traffic. If we can get them engaged prior to sending an offer, it's usually on average about a third less than if you were sending an offer straight to cold traffic. Wow. Now, is this strategy with the videos and exposing a particular customer base to the brand, is this applicable across 
both platforms, Facebook as well as Instagram, or is there certain tweaks that have to be made across each of the different platforms? Yeah, great question. So no, it works across all of them. The only the only thing that you have to be really aware of when you're setting up the strategy is if you want to make sure, like, let's say you're going to run a video and you want it to run everywhere, then you really are limited to 15 seconds. You can't do a video longer than that. If you need it to be longer than that, then your limitation is two minutes is the longest you can have in the Facebook news. I'm sorry, the Instagram news feed. So there are times depending upon the client, what their goals are is we will you know, we might have a two minute video that we run across both feeds. We might have a, a two minute video, a 15 second video, and then a longer one that we run on Facebook. It just, it really depends. What's really interesting. We're doing a really huge brand test right now. One of our big, big, big e-commerce clients that spends in excess of a million dollars a year in, in advertising, we're doing a brand test on Instagram. And okay. we're finding that Facebook is still, even though Instagram's hot, Facebook is still where we get the majority of our sales. So it's funny because you hear all the talk on the street about Instagram is where it's at and Facebook right. isn't where people are. But the truth is I have the numbers to back it up. The mm. sales are still happening more so hands down on mm. Facebook. Okay. So we use Instagram. We don't ignore Instagram. We use it for a lot of branding and audience growth. And of course, we want to try to get sales everywhere, but I wouldn't uh, say that Facebook is old school just yet because it's still really where the money's at. Yeah, it is. And that's interesting, that stat that you have on that and the the data that you have to back it up. I can see that making sense just because just my personal analysis from looking at Facebook and Instagram, I think a lot of it may, I mean, I could be wrong. A lot of it may have to do with Instagram, just the way it's structured and just the way that what's put out there it's more of a casual network i guess you could say than facebook so i think when people are on the instagram kind of ecosystem or the whole community i think they're in a kind of a different frame a different mindset really yeah and they may not be as poised to try to make a purchase because i'm just thinking myself you know i've seen a ton of different ads on instagram and for the most part even if it's something that kind of is really interests me my typical path is like, I'll, you know, I may look at the video. I'm like, OK, that seems pretty cool. I kind of hesitate for a minute. I'm like, all right, if I keep scrolling, I'm going to forget about this. Do I save <laughs> right. it? Do I save right. this? And I, there's always that hesitation. And sometimes I'll save it. But all of the things that I've saved, I've never I've, I'm trying to think. I don't think I've ever gone back to it because it's just when I'm on the app, I'm not in that that mind frame. And I think with Facebook, just because it's just structured a lot differently People there, I think, are more you're a little bit more open to making a decision about a particular brand and and making even a purchase decision. So I think, you know, it's just kind of my my own two cents. It's interesting, too, because Instagram, more people discover brands through Instagram than they do on Facebook. Right. But that being said, I'm not again, this is just anecdotal from my own agency. We're not seeing the sales. We don't see a correlation. So maybe they're discovering you there. So I think it is important to include them both. But the purchase hands down and and we have a our biggest client is a very they're very big on both Facebook and Instagram. But hands down the sales almost 70% of their sales come from Facebook, which is just amazing. So yeah, that's huge. That is, that is definitely yeah, it, huge. It really is. Now, as far as, you know, these networks are concerned, Facebook and Instagram, as we know, all of these social networks have evolved. They're constantly making changes as far as interface changes are concerned. They're, they always are making changes about their rules and just different things. So they're always evolving over time. What are some ways that you think the customer journey really, I guess, has already changed 
based on the recent changes that have happened on Instagram and, and Facebook? Or have you seen any? Well, I think the biggest change you alluded to it earlier is that we're a little bit exhausted. You know, the average adult gets hit with about 400 marketing messages a day. Mm -hmm. And so I think the thing that we have to keep in mind as advertisers, as marketers, is that brands matter more to people today than I think they did. They have in the past, like people become really loyal to, especially millennials, right? They become very loyal to the, whether it's, um, their cause driven or the story behind it, like that really matters. That actually plays a much bigger role in people's like purchase decisions than it ever used to. And so I think because we are bombarded, we are tired, certain things matter. You know, we've, we've got a different culture today. Amazon has created a whole different culture where we expect to see reviews and we want free shipping and we, you know, we want all these things that we didn't have before. And so I think it's more important than ever that we are focusing on building a relationship with our potential client. And there's so many different ways to do that, but really focusing on, like I mentioned earlier, building out that level two traffic, but then providing them value before you ask for anything in return. And that's a big mindset shift for a lot of e-commerce store owners. And I just told someone the other day, I was like, if my philosophies feel wrong to you and you just want us to scale your ROAS, then we're the wrong agency for you. Like we will scale your ROAS, I promise you, but this is how we're going to do it because we want to be building the no like, and trust factor in the newsfeed. And remember, Facebook is a, it's a social platform. So if you build those audiences and you start to provide value and you start to build relationships with those folks, you are actually leveraging the platform for what it's designed to do. And oh, by the way, here's one other thing that most people don't even consider from an, you know, when you're an e-commerce store owner and you really want to start to ramp up your social ads. The one thing that happens every single time, every time we do this, we build out this process for our clients. We have something called the halo effect. On one hand, we've had a client who has had massive, massive spikes in their organic search traffic that goes up. We have another client that within a month of us executing this for them, they started seeing their Amazon listings doing $1,000 a day per product. I mean, these are halo effects that you can't tie back to your ROAS, but when you really think, I'm gonna build a relationship with these people in a social way and a social platform, you're not only gonna see great returns on your ads, but you're gonna see impact over every marketing channel of your business. It's really fun to witness. That's exciting, yeah, for sure. And I I can definitely see that with these changes that of course are gonna continually I happen across both of the platforms that I think for the most part, like yeah, I think you kind of said, is that the, the customer journey is not going to change a whole lot. I mean, there's, nope. of course, technical things that are going to require brands to do certain things a little bit differently. But other than that, I think the end customer's journey, it, it, it really is always going to remain the same. And I definitely echo the sentiment that you said as far as millennials having that loyalty there and being concerned about a brand and a brand's mission where kind of back in the day. Yeah, I don't know if it was it was quite like that. I think people years back or from other generations were a little bit more conscious about, you know, they had a concern about a particular brand, but I think they were a little bit more conscious about just the bottom line, I think, and yeah. um, where they can get the best price, the best deal, and really didn't know, care too much about really what the brand was doing behind the scenes, <laughs> you know, as long as they got a good deal. So I think that's, that's where kind of the shift is. And I, I see that a lot amongst you know the millennials that I talk to and the brands that are dealing with them for sure. Well, Tracy, this has been awesome. I love talking to you about social advertising and all of the things that can help a brand understand the customer's psychology and understand the customer's journey. These are all 
some great things that I think every brand needs to be cognizant of, especially when you're, you're approaching these these social networks. Because like we said earlier, it's really it's a process there. You can't just blast people with ads. You've got to create that trust, that loyalty, and that can be done by you know educating them and getting them familiar with your brand, telling them about who you are. And then, you know, at some point down the line and further down the sales funnel, then you can ask for that purchase. But yeah, it's a path that you, you really have to go through because like we said, it's uh, you could just you could burn a lot of cash if you're if you're just going for the kill immediately. And uh, yeah, that just doesn't work that way. So yeah, it's been awesome. But uh, one of the things I like to do, I always uh, like to end in this question, decided to kind of shift gears here and to close things out like to find a little bit about yourself and if you can tell us one closing fun fact that our audience may be surprised to know about you, that would be awesome. It's always hard to think about what that might be, but so a little fun fact. And for those of you that are football fans, you know, you're either going to love me or hate me for this, but I am a 14th generation New Englander. My family settled in Maine in like the early 1600s. And I went to my first Patriots game in the 70s. <laughs> and okay. uh, so I have been a diehard fan of the New England Patriots to the point our whole family, my nephew, his first name is Brady. So that's a oh, wow. little fun fact about me. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. But I'm not first... I tell you, I've been around, I've been a fan for when we were terrible. So <laughs> <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So I, I see your allegiance is, is strong. They're going way it back is. into uh, your family history and even naming the son, yeah, uh, the relative Brady. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. And I, I always talk to my friends about with me and my friends, we're always New England is always a team you, you kind of love to hate. Basically, That's right. I think a lot of people have that sentiment. But uh, I'm always just wondering how much longer can Brady go? It's like, oh, is he, is he invincible? But I live in Denver right now. So I live in the land of we hate the Patriots. So I'm used to apologizing before I say it. But it it is fun to watch. I mean, it's been a fun ride. And I don't know how long he can hang on, but I sure do like watching him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. You can't knock them. They've got a solid organization. And uh, yeah, we'll see how long it can last. <laughs> That's right. Okay, great. Uh, Tracy, well, thanks again for joining us today on the e-commerce marketing podcast. Before I let you go, why don't you let our listeners know the best way for them to get in touch with you if they want to pick your brain anymore about social advertising and understanding the customer psychology and journey? So a couple of ways. Number one, I know this isn't probably for some of your listeners, this is like a, whoa, like where do I start? So I want to just offer something special because you're so great, Arlen, and I know your, your audiences as well. So if you're running ads, if you've got an e-commerce store and you're running ads, and let's just say you're running, you know, at least a couple thousand dollars a month in traffic, and you want me to take a quick peek at what you have set up and maybe make a couple recommendations, I will be happy to hop on the phone personally for uh, 15 minutes, look at your ads. And you can set that up. If you email info at divinesocial.com, someone on my team will get you on my calendar. We'll do that special. And then if that's not you, but you want to learn a little bit more, if you go to divinesocial.com forward slash EMP, I've got um, our three pillars. I have a free course that walks you through the, you know, how to use it, how to grab different types of content for different stages. And then you can connect with me on all the different social platforms. It's all, all the links are on that same page. Well, that's awesome, Trace. I really appreciate those free offers there for sure. And I, I highly encourage our listeners to take advantage of both of those, that consultation call and um, the information that you can provide on the website, the free course, for sure. It's always great to get an outside set of eyes, especially someone in your with your caliber and your expertise to be able to take a look and, you know, at least give some people some initial feedback and then let them know a direction that they can go and, uh, you know, help them out. So that's awesome. 
Yeah, my pleasure. Be happy to do it. I, especially when it comes to like, oh gosh, if I'm going to do this audience building, like what should I do? And so maybe, you know, that in itself might just really help get you started. For sure. All right, Tracy. Well, thanks again for joining us today on the e-commerce marketing podcast. Thanks, Arlen. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce marketing podcast. Do you need to get more feedback and reviews from your customers and improve your customer retention? We have made it easy to do all of this with our customer feedback software. Just visit osifeedback.com and sign up for a free trial today. That's osifeedback.com. If you've enjoyed this episode of the e-commerce marketing podcast, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with everyone you know.